Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. So, um, yeah, if you could uh, initially, you know, just for the benefit of our audience, because, uh, you know, uh, on our Business Worth and Mindset podcast, we are capturing stories of inspirational people like yourselves, you know, to inspire others to actually break through into their own success as well. So we find that uh, people resonate well to stories in a way that uh, if they get to hear your story, they resonate with part of that. Uh, and if it relates in some way to their life as well, they can feel that, you know, if our son has been able to achieve X, Y, and Z from his background, maybe we have a chance as well, you know, and that's how we get to uh, to inspire people. So initially, if you could just uh, give us a snapshot of your story uh, from humble beginnings, you know, to get to where you are. And then after that, we get to uh, just uh, uh, in an informal way, just uh, ask you a few questions about yeah, yeah. your journey and, uh, you know, challenges, the successes and how you mm. can actually help some of our audience as well to achieve, uh, you know, success and breakthrough into their excellence. No, 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 no problem, Alex. I definitely thank you for having me. Um, you know, it's been a journey for sure. And I think we all have our own journey, our own story that defines us and allows us to sit here before people and say, this is who I am. This is what I've been through. So just to give you a quick snapshot, I'm from uh, Oakland, California. Um, grew up in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, and it was tough. You know, back then you had the height of the crack epidemic. You had gangs, violence, death. It was, it was a very tough environment. Um, but I made it through, you know, uh, by, by the grace of God and just making a few key decisions that kept me out of trouble. And one of them was just learning how to communicate and talk my way out of trouble. And then two, being able to sell the idea of what it is that I wanted in the world as opposed to what the world was telling me were my options. And I'll, and I'll talk more about that in a second and why it's so critical. But I, I, you know, I got out of the Oakland, first person in my family to go to college, you know, an Ivy League degree, go to University of Pennsylvania. And you see this whole new world of what wealth and money and access looks like. And, you know, from that experience, you know, I, I immediately said, you know what, I can go into the world and make my own way. So graduating, you know, I started my own business, have my first daughter, everything is good. I'm crushing life, right, Alex? Like, like everything is good. I don't know if you've ever been in that space where you feel like everything is working, but then something hits you upside your head, right? Um, and that day for me was my mom calling me out of the blue and she's yelling and screaming and hollering like, Asani, Asani, they killed him, they killed him. I'm like, what are you talking about? Your brother, he was shot. Uh, he was murdered back in Oakland, California, that place that I somehow was able to... Um, make my way through. And I immediately flashed back to our last conversation, Alex. It was, it was one of those kind of heated moments where we had an argument, a fight, and he was telling me I wasn't the big brother they needed me to be. And I told him, BS, we grew up in the same place, had the same parents, had the same opportunities. You decided not to do what was necessary. That's on you, right? And I meant it. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until I was giving his eulogy that I truly understood what he meant. He wasn't saying do the work for me. He wasn't saying 
hey, pull me along. He was saying lead, like like care, like 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 show me possibility, right? And I don't know if you ever experienced this, Alex, when you start to really backtrack on your whole life and start to see a pattern evolve and it hits you in your face and it was clear as day right after I gave his eulogy that I had always been scared of leading. I'll, I'll get straight A's. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll be a star athlete. I'll, I'll, I'll start my own little entrepreneurial venture selling stuff, doing whatever I had to selling my mama tacos, whatever. I would do speeches. I would do anything that allowed me to excel. But when it came to leading, and being responsible and accountable to other people's success, I always passed on it. I didn't want to be student body president. No, didn't want to be captain of the football team. No, and I didn't really want to be big brother. So it was that day that I vowed to never allow fear to govern my life. And I started to do all types of crazy stuff to really battle my own fear so I could grow as a person. And that meant me getting into a cage and fighting uh, becoming a professional mixed martial artist because I was scared of physical confrontation. That meant jumping out of planes because I was scared of heights. That meant, you know, getting on stage and speaking in front of 5,000 plus people, like, like really just tackling every aspect of my life, just consuming all the information I could to grow as a person. And as a result, my, my life improved. I became a better husband. I became a better father. I became a better businessman. And Initially, my business was always around building other people's businesses as a consultant. But people started mm -hmm. to ask me, Alex, like, 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 how are you doing what you're doing? How come your yeah. body looks this way? Right. Like people think I'm like 33. I'm 43. Like, like how how is your marriage yeah. like on, on top of the world? And you're the one at home and you're still making money. How, how are you doing all of these things? And that's when I transitioned yeah. from building businesses to building people. And I started a leadership company and I started coaching and consulting entrepreneurs and even publicly traded companies. Little Asani X from the ghetto helping these publicly traded companies with their leaders and their teams on how to perform. Fast forward yeah. 10 years, uh, I made one more transition because I had one more epiphany. The way I build businesses to help them make more money and build brand and the way I build leaders and people for performance and, and culture I found that there was always one unifying theory or one unifying thing. The same thing that helped me to escape the ghetto and not get into trouble is the ability to communicate. It's the ability to tell a great story. Because Alice, if you can tell a great story to yourself, you'll avoid the pitfalls and all the challenges out there, right? If you learn how to tell a great story to others around you, you can bring people together to believe and buy in and engage. If you learn how to project a story outside of you, you can get buy-in and engagement of a marketplace. You can build brand, you can win customers. And I, I finally got it that everything in my life always came back to these two things, the ability to communicate and the ability to share stories so that people believe, buy-in and engage. And that was the birth of Lead Your Story, my, my, uh, my newest company we've been running for about four years now in helping organizations, entrepreneurs to share those stories inside to build culture and leadership, but also externally to build brand and to win new business. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's where I'm at right now. Wow. That's uh, such a powerful story, X. You know, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, I just wanted to touch on a couple of things from, uh, mm -hmm. from that story just to expand on. The first is, uh, 
you know, for most people, uh, and, and it's actually evident in your story as well, mm-hmm. we, we tend to come to the breakthrough of realizing ourselves and our potential and probably like our purpose or our journey when we actually come across or come through a certain kind of challenge of crisis. So, for example, in your story, it was, you know, through your, your you know, your brother passing and being short. Um, so, I mean, with with that in mind, that, does that mean that for those people who are like, you know, comfortable in their own comfort zone, they can't really achieve much because everything is going on smoothly and there's no challenge or something that's happening within themselves. How do you do you put that? Is is that really what it takes for people to actually face a massive challenge for them to actually realize their potential? What's your take on that? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. No one wants to get mm-hmm. punched in the face. No one goes out mm-hmm. into the world and says, punch me in the face, give me something harder than I can possibly handle. No one asks for those things. But the irony mm-hmm. is, if you peel back the curtain and you look at any successful endeavor, any successful person, yeah. anybody who has done something that they are proud of and fulfilled by, you will always, always find a deeply challenging situation or circumstance that they had to go through to get to the point where they are. If there isn't this fight against or through something significant for you, and it's relative to the individual, what's significant for you, Alex, may not be significant for mm-hmm. me. So it's relative. But if you're yeah. not going through or having gone through that, there's no part of you that can be fulfilled. I tell my, my kids all the time, you can be happy, you can be even successful, but you'll never be fulfilled until you're empty. And what I mean by that is that fulfillment only comes by way of emptying yourself of your gifts. And you only become empty when you have had to push and grind and go through something. And at the end of that journey and climbing that mountain and being able to plant your flag and say, I did it, I arrived, I accomplished, it's being able to look inside of ourselves and, and, and know that, regardless of the external trinkets that we win. You know, I know millionaires, people who are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and a lot of it has been handed to them or there were circumstances to where they didn't feel like they earned it and they're miserable Mm -hmm. or they have all of these things in their life where they quote unquote should be happy, but happiness is a fleeting emotion. Fulfillment is a, is a foundational thing for anybody Mm -hmm. of grit and and substance. And it it comes from putting yourself in those challenging situations and finding a way through the darkness. Um, That's why I tell people Mm -hmm. the best tool we have always, whether we're trying to succeed or find happiness fulfillment is our capacity to communicate. How we communicate with ourselves to keep us going, how we communicate with others to to build that team and camaraderie and how we communicate with the marketplace to create buy-in and engagement. Um, But yes, you got to go through it. Um, And there's no way around that. There's no shortcuts. There's no magic pill for that. You got to go through it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great share. And I I like your... You know what do you what do you talk about? You know the fulfillment there. You know from a, a place where you're actually empty. I think that's very powerful, actually. Um, but, um now when we talk about um, you know, someone's calling. You know, for example, maybe you know discovering their purpose. I mean, you talk about you know uh, finding out that you have to lead people. You know, through your story. Um, 
is there uh, different types of purposes for people? So, for example, you lead people. Can people find fulfillment or, or happiness in different things that, for example, is not leading, maybe something that is uh, very individual to them and that can be very different to yours, for example. Yeah. So leading or communicating, is that the only way or is there other ways that people can actually find their yeah. calling and purpose and yeah. happiness? That's a good question. I think for each of us, it's always this unique combination of things that come together to allow us to express fully and wholly who we are and to find our quote unquote why and purpose. I'll tell people all the time, finding your why and purpose and being able to hone it into a statement is very difficult. In fact, it, it's, it's, you probably got to go through a facilitation process to really be able to do that. Like I, I work with Simon Sinek and his team and trying to really figure out my why and to really be able to communicate it succinctly. And it was a very powerful experience. And I, I teach my clients some of those things to this day. But outside of that, what, what, what does that mean for the everyday ordinary person or even the entrepreneurs and business owners who are listening to this? How do you go about finding that why if you're not going to spend $10,000 going through a process? And I tell people the, the irony is it's really not about finding your why. It's about finding your what. And what I mean by that is that when you find a big enough what, as in what is it that you want, what is that you're going after, what is it that turns you on, what is it that you, you, you seem to not be able to live without, when you start moving closer and closer to your what, just like we talked about, you are going to get punched in the face in route to that what. I don't care what it is. You want that girl? And she's the girls of your dreams. Yeah. Watch challenges arise. You want to make more money? Watch the challenges arise. You want to lose weight? Watch the challenges arise. Whatever it is that you decide that you're going after, you're going to find some opposition. And it's in that yeah. opposition and fighting through it that you start to find the why behind the what. At first, it may be in about <laughs> money. But the only thing that's going to keep you going past the dollar is this, this intrinsic thing. It's not about the money. It's about proving to myself that I, I belong. It's not really about the money. It's about impact. You start to find your why through tasting battle, tasting life when you're pursuing a worthy what. Right. And that's the journey I tell young people. Don't worry about all this why stuff. Put a what in front of you that's worth chasing, that excites you, that turns you on and gives you what you want. You'll find your why in the pursuit of what? Of what? Brilliant. That's amazing. <laughs> that's, that's deep. Um, now, even, um, you know, when people get to find their what, yeah, I think there is also a difference between actually being able to, you know, find the motivation or the inspiration within to actually do the things or the actions that are actually necessary to get you the what. And that is where a lot of people probably, you know, even businesses and people actually struggle and procrastinate. You know, there seems to be a distinct difference between what I want and what's maybe subconsciously is within me to actually drive me towards the actions that I need to actually go for uh, what, I, what I actually want. How would you, you know, what would you say to those people who say, you know, X, I know exactly what I want, but... For some unknown reason, I can't get myself, 
the motivation and the inspiration to actually do it? How do I actually get to do it? What would you say to that? That's a that's a good question. And I think I think I think it's really about questioning your what. A lot of times mm. we 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 choose something that was given to us. We never really wanted it. We never really decided upon it. We never really broke apart this goal and asked the deep questions. Well, why do I want that? What does this mean to me? Mm. Why is this important? Can I actually live without this? If I don't get this, could I still be happy? When you start to really become more self-aware around what you're actually pursuing, more times than not, you will find the answer as to why you're not getting off your ass and doing anything. Mm-hmm. Invariably, when we pull back the curtain, when I'm working with an entrepreneur and they're trying to pursue going from seven figures to eight figures, and there's this big jump to be made, what we invariably find is that there isn't a skill gap. There isn't a process gap. They don't, it's not about not knowing what to do or how to do it. It is a desire gap. The desire to put right. forth the effort to achieve X, Y, and Z. So then you peel back the curtain and ask, well, let's, 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 let's back up and ask, why do you actually even want that? Well, no, no, no. Why do you want that? And you start hearing all of these projections on them. My advisor said this, my, my wife and kids this, or society this, or my friends that. And you start to see all of these expectations placed on top of you that were never truly yours to begin with. I tell people we never have a motivation issue. We always are motivated. It's just uncovering what those motives are. And when we do, we'll find that we're doing the things that we are actually motivated to do. If you're sitting your ass at home and not doing much, you value being at home and not doing much. So the question that needs to become, why do I value this more than I value doing the work? And it's just asking those questions and becoming more self-aware because it's never a what challenge or issue, it's it's you not understanding that thing that you've put in the center of your story, the story you've been telling yourself and that you believe in and is running like clockwork and keeping you stuck. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself, what, what, what's behind it? Where did it come from? And you'll start to uncover that this isn't a motivation issue. It's you've chosen the wrong thing. Hmm. Wow. Absolutely. I think intrinsically, you're, you're right. We'll tend to do the things that are you know main, meaningful to us what what is of value to us but to actually get that burning desire you know that's where some of that challenge can actually ignite you i mean the if you only have to listen to the story of those um the, the story about the soldiers who were sent into battle you know crossing a river but uh, as soon as they got to the other side the measures actually burnt all the <laughs> the, the heat which they took them there, which means there was actually the only way to actually come back was actually to defeat the enemy. Because if yeah. you don't, there's no way to you to get the ship back to sail to the other side. So, you know, in that moment, you've only got one option, and that is to win, you know, and that can actually be that burning desire because the, the ship that took you there is, is now burned. So, uh, yeah. that's absolutely, you know, a, a key yeah. drive, as you mentioned. So, um, now, just to, um, you know, what, what, yeah, go on. <laughs> no, I was going to say, just to piggyback on that, 
we see these movies and we hear these great stories of these entrepreneurs or these people who are wealthy and they seem to have all this burning desire to go get something. And then we look inside of ourselves and we're like, wait a minute, I don't have that. So something's wrong with me. Yeah. And I say, that's not the case. When, when I was younger, I wanted to be a billionaire. Like I was like, I'm going to take over the world. Well, after 20 years of being an entrepreneur, I recognize that I value so many things outside of money. I value my family. I value my body. I value my spirituality. I value my kids, my wife. I value my freedoms. I had a staff of like 15, 20 people in, a, in running a business. And I was like, I don't want that headache anymore. Like, 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 like you got to understand what it is that you actually want and drives you and stop living for all of these other standards that have been given to you, placed into you, driven into you by these stories that we accept looking outside of ourselves. You once you get clear about what I call your life lens, the lens that you view your life through and you understand what it looks like and what it feels like and what meets the criteria of your happiness and fulfillment. Your life will become so much simpler. It will be so much easier and you won't have to force anything because it's you. It, it naturally aligns with you. And this is what I call leading your story. But you got to understand what motivates you and what really drives you and stop placing all these other standards and all this other stuff on top of it. Yeah. Brilliant. But uh, I guess one of the things is that, you know, in this modern age, there's just so much pressure actually for people. You know, you look around, you know, on the internet, you find all these successful people or get rich quick things, uh, schemes and things that are actually, you know, that people do maybe, you know, idealize certain people to say, well, if I could be like X, you know, X is, you know, so, uh, you know, successful, he's doing A, B, C, D. Maybe I should actually do that as well. So instead of, uh, like you say, looking through the lens to look into themselves and what drives them, they're actually looking and modeling other people. You know, I should be like X. And, you know, in, the, in, in, in that way, when they actually try to pursue those things, when they face the challenges, they can't last the course because it's not intrinsic with what they actually need themselves. So I guess that's probably another challenge that, that people face, isn't it? Looking out to other people because there's just so much, so many pressures. But also, yeah. um, I put it to you this way. Some of the things that people are intrinsically inclined to do, which they do without needing motivation, actually they probably can't make them a living. So that's another crossroad that people see. Let's say it might be, you know, someone likes, uh, you know, it could be uh, exercise or something sporty or whatever, but maybe they feel they can't see a way how they can actually make a living out of that. Instead, yeah, they yeah. then look at someone who is doing something that's making money. What, what, what would you say to people like that? They say, look, you know, I am intrinsically inclined to do something, but who makes money in that? It doesn't make me money. I, I need to go and pursue something financial so I can feed my family. I can do something. Yeah, so, yeah. What yeah. would you say? It, that's, a, that's a good question. I think first let's go back to the idea of modeling others. I have no problem with modeling others. The problem with modeling others is when you mm -hmm. model and you presume that that's how you're supposed to be. You're modeling to figure out whether or not that's a fit for you. You're not modeling to become, yeah. you're basically doing a dry yeah. rehearsal, an experiment, if you will. Okay, X has did this, 
and this is how he moves. Let me see if I can move in that way. And does it fit me? This X isn't better than me. How he does it isn't better than my way, but he seems to have figured out something that I haven't. Let me try it. Right, right. We should be trying on the wardrobe of others to see how it fits. And if it doesn't fit us, discard it and try something else. So that's the first thing about modeling. Don't take the guru or expert outside of you as the truth. Take them as an example to learn from and then experiment and try out certain aspects of what they do. What you'll find is that you can take certain parts from this person and that person and this person and this person, and they come together to create what? Something uniquely you. And that's the key thing. Now, once you found the parts that are uniquely you, like you said in your example, you love to exercise. You found your brand, your voice, your authentic way of being you and communicating that because you got to be able to communicate it to the world. How do you make a living from it? This is where you have to do due diligence of finding that fine line between this authentic, highly uh, uh, personal, individualistic you and then value in the world. Right. You got to find a way to add value to other people. Right. So there's a line that crosses between those two worlds. So let's say you are into health and fitness. Well, if I go on Instagram, there are a thousand different or tens of thousands of different uh, coaches who do exercise, fitness and wellness. Well, let's yeah. look at other aspects of your life. You like health, fitness. You also like spirituality. You also like this esoteric thing with training with rocks. I don't know. So now you say spiritual <laughs> exercise regimen with rocks. And now you communicate that to the world and you say, this is my jam. This is how I do it. This is my unique way. You won't be mass appeal to the market, but you don't need to. If you got a thousand people paying you a hundred dollars a month, that's ten thousand dollars a month of income coming in. And a lot of us would be happy with that. But if we're comparing ourselves Mm -hmm. to the millionaires or gazillionaires out there and saying we have to create something like them, we've already cut ourselves off from our opportunity. One, we're not clear about what will actually make us happy. Two, we're trying to create mass appeal, which takes us away from our individuality and our own core brand. And now we're stuck in this middle treading water and it feels like we're on a hamster wheel, not going anywhere. Well, find you first, then find that line Mm -hmm. of where value is added to others and now project that into the world and communicate it on a day-by-day basis, and you'll find your way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that, that's an absolute golden nugget, uh, X, on that one, because uh, you know there's over seven billion people <laughs> on the planet, and every, you know none of none of us are exactly the same. And just like you've put it, that you know find your unique sweet spot. You know if there's a hundreds of people that are doing fitness, there is gonna be something that is unique, that is different about you, that you can still offer value to the market market space. That's that's an absolute golden nugget there. Uh, now, um, in uh, most circles, when we talk about personal development, there is uh, a big element about the power of thought and the power of the mind. Um, What's your take on that about mindset and how powerful is just the thought and the, you know, the power of the mind and how that can actually carry you to where you want to be and to your heart? 
Yeah, I, I believe the the mind is ground floor, right? It's it's everything is built upon that. How you think about yourself, how you view the world, how you view everything, because through this mind and through the interpretation of what you see, feel, taste, all that stuff, your worldview is shaped. And, I, and I'll give you a quick story. I think one of the things that is very powerfully um, driven in the world of those who succeed versus those who flounder and don't live up to their potential is that those who succeed understand how to create an empowering meaning behind the things that happen to them and their circumstance. Yeah. In other words, they're leading the story in a narrative. So I'll, give, so I'll give you an example. When I was when I was seven, we traveled to my aunt's house and she had a pool. We thought she was a rich aunt. She had a pool. We thought, but we couldn't swim. So mm -hmm. we would play in the like three foot into the pool, right? And it was a family gathering, everybody's out. And I was at the side of the pool playing with my Hot Wheels. And mm -hmm. I threw one of my Hot Wheels between my legs and it rolled into the deep end of the pool. And my dad comes raging up behind me and he says, go get it. I'm like, what? Go get it. And before I knew mm -hmm. it, he picked me up and threw me in the deep end. And Alex, man, mm -hmm. I, I was gargling water. I was struggling, screaming and hollering, all right, like going down. I finally kicked and got out of the pool. I'm breathing hard and screaming and hollering. My dad says, come here. And I was scared to death of my dad. Like he was, man, he was a tough dude. Um, and uh, so I go over to my dad, still hollering, screaming. He picks me up and throws me in again. Go get it. He does this like five times, right? Wow. Before my mom runs up behind him and says, Bernard, leave that boy alone. And afterwards, Alex, I'm shook, like I'm seven. I just had yeah. near death experience, right? So I'm on the side of the house crying my eyes out. Five minutes later, I had an epiphany. Wait a minute, I didn't die. I didn't drown. Wait a minute, I think I got in the deep end. So 10 minutes later, I was the only little kid in the deep end with all the teenagers. The point is, I believe it's that skill set that differentiates those who find a way to make it. Like I said, we're all going to deal with challenges. We're all going to deal with setbacks. We're all going to deal with doubt, worry, fear, anxiety. Nobody is immune, especially entrepreneurs. Yeah. Like Elon Musk said, it, it's like eating glass. No one escapes the pain. But what separates you and allows you to stay with it, which is very mm -hmm. important, is that you can create an empowering meaning behind what is going on outside of you. Yeah. And I have an uncanny ability to be able to do that no matter what's going on. Find the empowering meaning that doesn't yeah. allow me to practice yeah. drill, rehearse drama. Because when you practice drill and rehearse the drama, it turns into trauma. Yeah. Right. My and, I, and just real quick, my 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 father just passed away recently. So just last week mm -hmm. we uh, scattered his ashes and we all told stories. And I told that story of him throwing me in the pool. Well, my brother, who's younger than me, said the same story, but it was my uncle who threw him in the pool. And he said, <laughs> to this day, he's scared to swim because wow. he hasn't created an empowering meaning behind it. He allowed mm. that drama to be practiced, drilled and rehearsed, meaning the story inside to become a yeah. trauma. Don't practice, yeah. drill, rehearse your drama. It won't become a trauma. Find an empowering meaning to make sure that the story you're telling yourself positions you as the hero. You overcame it. You you went through it. You're still here. All right. Mm. Let me find the nugget. Let me find the gems. Let me find how yeah. I was a raw piece of coal. And now I'm a diamond because of what I went through. But mm. if all you see is the dirt in your hands from dealing with coal, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna practice your rehearse that that drama story. And it's gonna be trauma and it's gonna cut you off from your potential and your uh, yeah. ability to succeed.
Wow, that's uh, all very empowering, X, and you know, very, very motivational. But there will be other people watching and listening to this and saying, "Oh, that's all well and good." You know, maybe you are already in the journey, you understand these things, but it's it's very difficult for some people to actually grasp. And in most cases, it actually takes a lot of time you know, maybe many years or, or whatever, depending on the individual, for people to actually come to this realization and this epiphany that they can actually use their mind or, you know, whatever resources. But what does it take for actually people to get to this realization? Is there like a timeline? Is there actual resources? What should they actually do? What is the steps? Because sometimes it's the overwhelm, isn't it? They can grasp yeah. and understand. But uh, sometimes people want instant gratification of things. They want to be like X today. But uh, yeah. to be X, it's taken probably years and trauma and education and a lot of stuff. And people want a quick fix. What would you say to people like that? And, and what would be your advice? Is there some patience required, some education and, you know, give themselves time and, you know, they will get there? What is it? Because I want it now. I want to be X now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell people all the time, patience is always a part of every formula, right? But we can break it down and say that consistency plus intensity equals yeah. miracles, right? So you, you got to have a part of your life where you're working to be consistent over time, yeah. right? That's compound interest. That's yeah. slowly building up and taking one step at a time, one inch you know, thousands of inches added up comes to the miles at the end of the day, but you got to be consistent. Yeah. But man, that's tough. Yeah. You got to, your human mind and, and ethic wants to feel gratified today. And that's yeah. where you need to focus on being intense. Yeah. Intensity, you can't maintain all the time. You only can be intense. Like the Olympics is going on right now. 100 meters, we're going to run our top speed for 10 meters. Yeah. So you got to have that burst where you can feel like you've pushed but you also have these consistencies. So let me break this down and make it practical. Mm. Take an area of your life that you want to improve. Break down what it is that you want to actually achieve. It could be money. It could be weight. It could be relationship. Just have a very specific goal in mind. Now, make a what I call a, a low bar minimum, your LBM. A low bar minimum is something you will do every single day that is so simple, so easy that all you have to do is step over it and you've achieved it, allowing for consistency. So let's say you want to lose weight. All right. I'm going to eat 100 less calories today than I did last week. Right. Just 100 less calories, which is like a quarter of a Snickers or half a can of a soda less, whatever. Just 100 calories. And be consistent with eating 100 calories less per day. Don't not a, not. 5,000, not fasting yeah. all day, just 100 calories. Yeah. But 100 calories times a whole month is 3,000 calories, which is close to a pound. A pound a month times a year is 12 pounds a year, right? Yeah. So that's being consistent, but you won't see the change. You're going you're gonna to become disheartened over time. Yeah. So this is where you also need some intensity in your life. You might join a gym or a CrossFit place where you do some intense stuff that makes you feel like you've pushed. But you do that once a week, right? Or you do you fast on Sundays only. Like I fast mm -hmm. routinely on Sundays. Like every I don't eat Sundays, and then I fast uh, every change of season for three days, 
And then during the winter solstice, I fast for a week to 10 days on water only. Hmm. Those are intense periods. I don't do them every day. I do them at very specific intervals to make me feel and to, to, to push me into it. So consistency plus intensity equals miracles. But you got to understand where the line is drawn. Something you can do every day, that's a low bar minimum. And then every now and then jump into an intense situation. So you yeah. can get that euphoria, that feeling, like that gratification that you've actually done something. Hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, within that, what would you say is the the power, if at all, of working with a mentor or a coach or someone like you? Um, I, I, I definitely think there's a benefit to having someone outside of you give you advice. Um, you have mentors, you have uh, coaches, you have consultants, and they're all slightly different in how they can help you to achieve your goal. The, the big thing is that when you're looking outside of yourself for someone who can give you advice, the only thing I implore you to do is understand that principles are, are what you really want to gravitate towards. And then you want to create practices that are yours. And here's what I mean by that. So many of us look outside of ourselves from those models we talked about and say, this is yeah. how it is done. Mm -hmm. Elon Musk does it this way. This is how it is done, right? Warren Buffett does it this way. This is how it's done. Oprah did it this way. This is how it is done. But the thing about life is that there is no exact formula for success. There are only principles, right? Work hard, keep your mind right, take care of your body. These very generic principles. It's up to you to turn them into practices. Practices are the things that you do that are very specific to your life because the practices that you do are going to be fully, wholly different than the practices that another person does. Alex mm -hmm. may live in this space. So networking in his immediate local environment is, is counterproductive to his goal. But my mentor said I need to network. All right. Well, the principle of networking isn't about going out and shaking hands around where you live. The principle means connecting with people who can connect you to resources. So you have to turn a practice into something viable for you. So I'm going to use LinkedIn to network. I'm turning it into a practice. I'm owning the advice and not being lazy around the idea of that there's this magic pill that a guru can tell me and it will all go away. No. Practice. Practice your rehearse the principles and make them yours because we all have our own secret formula. Nobody has your formula for success. No one has your formula for happiness. No one has your formula for fulfillment. It is uniquely different for you. And when you embrace that, you'll stop looking outside of yourself for the answer as opposed to some advice to help you shorten your learning curve in finding your answer, if that makes sense. Mm. Well, absolutely. I think that's uh, that's another gem that you share there. You know, you take the principles and apply them to you as the unique you because none of that is the same. You know, just like you say, you know, someone can apply them differently depending on who they are and their attributes as a person. Uh, there's no right or wrong, but the principles are still core and they stand in order, you know, in the journey of yeah. success, whatever that uh, Let means. Let me ask you a question. You yeah, you absolutely. do you like curry chicken? Yes. Do you like I do. right? So yesterday I was making curry chicken and I make yeah, a mean curry chicken. 
So we have a curry powder seasoning. And I asked my daughter, okay, I'm making curry chicken. You love it. Should I use this curry powder? And she says, yeah. I was like, no, no. <laughs> if I get it in the bottle already prepackaged and made, it's going to come out horrible. It's not going mm. to taste the same. I said, if you look on the back of the curry powder, it has coriander, it has ginger, it has garlic, it has uh, turmeric, it has like 10 different ingredients. And I had all of the ingredients out. And I said, mm. I'm going to make my curry. You see, I like a little bit of red crushed bell pepper in mine. I like a little, I mean, crushed pep red peppers. I love a little bit more turmeric. I love just a slightly less ginger, but more gin, uh, uh, garlic. Right. I like yeah. instead of two teaspoons of sugar, I like four. I like mine sweet. Mm. And I said, because I understand how to break apart this principle, curry powder into the things that mean okay. something to me, I am now a chef. I'm master yeah. of these ingredients. It's mine. I can mix and match them how I <laughs> see fit. And I can make this beautiful dish called my life. But so mm. many of us want the curry powder already pre-configured in a jar ready to go. But yeah. it ain't going to taste the same. It's not going to work the same until you break it yeah. apart, become a student of the ingredients, in other words, practices to make them yours. And mm. that is a key component, in my opinion. That's an absolute powerful statement. I mean, even for me, hearing you speak and understanding this principle, a lot of stuff is just resonating with me as well, where I had gaps about the things that I want to do, and I see people doing things in a particular ABCD, and they're being actually successful in those ways. But uh, to some level, I think it's slightly different to how I would do it because of the person that I am and ABCD. But uh, from what you're saying, it doesn't necessarily mean I can't be successful in that. I can actually do that in my own way, following those principles, and create my own unique brand that is me. And that's an absolute golden nugget, actually. Thanks for sharing that, X. So now, um, if we go a bit deeper into your brands, the rise of a leader and lead your story. Just tell us a bit more. First, the rise of a leader. Tell us a bit more about yeah. that. And well, how rise of a yeah, Rise of a Leader is one, is our leadership program that we do inside of organizations to help them to build strong leaders and strong teams. Mm -hmm. And like I said, at the ground floor, it's about being able to communicate a unifying ethos and culture around who we are and what we value and helping leaders to not only project that story to everyone else, but also helping everyone else in the organization to project their story to create this what we call story synergy. Um, yeah. We also turn that same story into something that we project into the marketplace through our company, Lead Your Story. So Lead Your Story, we talked about being very unique in the marketplace. Well, there, uh, there are thousands and hundreds of thousands of agencies, marketing agencies in the world. Well, why choose X mm. and Lead Your Story? Well, we're the only marketing agency that I know of that combines the idea of building strong leaders and teams through culture with branding, right? So. So we help you to build that brand and your culture by helping you come together around a collective story that signifies who you are to the world, but also allows you to lead your company in a very specific way. And I'll give you an example, and this is one of the best examples I can give because I love this guy, this client of mine. He, he's a lawyer, um, and the reason he runs this big law firm is because when he was eight years old, he was evicted. Um, his mom lost her house. He was in and out of foster care. She went into depression, like like it just really ruined his family life. And he said, you know, when I got older, I vowed to never allow anybody to come after people mm -hmm. I love. 
So his whole firm is mm-hmm. about protecting people when someone's coming after their money, their livelihood, or their reputation. So that's his story. And that's why he that's why he's the lawyer he is. And he shares that story and he closes deals. Not his Harvard degree, not that he can win cases. All lawyers say that. He gets the mm. big clients because when he tells that story, they know that he means business when he says, I'm going to fight for you. So they believe mm. in him and his firm. That's awesome, right? But also he uses that same story to bring his culture together. So we bring all of his people together and we say, well, when was the time in your life when somebody came after your livelihood, your reputation, or someone you love's money? Do you know anybody like that? Mm. And then his people raise their hands and say, yep, I remember that. Somebody came on. I remember that. Everybody in the organization is sharing stories that bring them together around this unifying idea of who they are. So now from the mailroom all the way to the top at the CEO office, everybody's unified around this idea. We fight for those people when someone's coming after their money, their livelihood and reputation, and nobody does it better. And everybody believes that's why they're winning. Right. So we help you to create that ethos, that brand, and help you to communicate that internally and externally that's through our programming with Lead Your Story. Hmm. Wow, that's 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 very powerful, very powerful. Thanks for that, Alexander. Um, so rise of a leader. So you're combining that building of a business and building of a people into yes. brand. Just tell yeah. us a bit more about that as because well. you're combining the two through your rise of a leader and uh, lead your story as well. Yeah. So, so, so as I alluded to previously, this it's the idea of coming together around an ethic, an idea and a story around who you are and what you value. And now it's about mm-hmm. challenging leaders and teams to live that story, not to just talk about it, not just to say, this is who we are. And we have a tired old mission statement that no one can understand or repeat or memorize. no, this is our story. And how do we bring that story to life every single day and everything we do? So whether we're talking about customer service, whether we're talking about leading and managing, we want to know what type of leading and managing and customer service we want to give as an organization. Yeah. And that's our leadership, our culture building programs. But mm-hmm. we also have found that, like mm-hmm. I said, that story, that unifying idea of who you are can also be communicated to the marketplace because, and, and let me, let me back up and tell you my, my theory on who's going to be the winners in the marketplace. And this will be relevant to entrepreneurs listening. Yeah. There, there are the middle 80% of people are losing in the middle because they're losing out to these two extremes, big businesses who can trade at scale. Think Amazon. Right. They don't need huge profit margins. They can trade at scale through economies of scale, low prices at volume. Very hard to compete with big businesses. The other winners are those who build brand. Brand isn't really about the product or the price like Amazon. It's more about how the people feel about the brand. So think Chick-fil-A or think the small coffee shop in your neighborhood that Starbucks can't put out of business because people love the brand. Yeah. They're emotionally connected to the brand beyond product, beyond price, beyond function, facts and figures. It's how the brand makes them feel. Well, if you can't build brand feeling and you can't be a big business trading on functionality, you are in the middle treading water, just surviving and being decimated as these two ends start to exert even more pressure. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a company 
and you, for example, you, you, you know, I represent a college, right? Colleges across the, the, the country are being decimated because young people are finally waking up and saying, yo, I don't need college. I can go get a job without it. Well, now you need to find a way to build brand. It's not just about college education. It's about the way we do education. It's about the way we treat our students. It's about the way we build community beyond the function of a degree. If you don't have that, or you're not a big, big, big business college like 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 where you trade at scale, you're going to lose. You're going to you're going to you're going to go extinct. Yeah. So my thing is building brand, building brand, authentic, unique brand to where you live it internally through your leadership. So it's not just something you're talking about, but you're also projecting and communicating that to the market to build business and to build connection, deep emotional connection with your marketplace. You do that. You dominate. You, yeah. you, 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 you're not susceptible to market conditions. And so many businesses and entrepreneurs right now are struggling because they just don't have a brand. They're really good at what they do, but they don't have a brand. Right. So yeah. they're just a choice among many. Hmm. Wow. So, um, but I, I guess building a brand, that's something that takes time as well, isn't it? You know? It does. It does. But I think, I think, I think, if you're an entrepreneur and you have a service, I was just telling a young lady this yes, uh, um, yesterday at a, an event. She she makes candles. Um, mm -hmm. And when she started, she was like, it was much easier. The pandemic crushed it because all these people with all this time decided they wanted to become candle makers. Yeah. And I was like, well, what's special about your candles? And she struggled to tell me. She's like, they smell good. I was like, everybody candles smell good. Yeah. Well, I use a special wax. Well. As soon as you start saying you use a special wax, what is everybody else going to do? They're going to do it too. Mm. She was like, well, what do I do? Like, like I said, you're going to have to build brand. So yeah. she's a young African-American uh, woman. I was like, like, what are you going through? Why do you build candles or make candles? She said, they help me to relax. I'm under so much pressure and all this other stuff, you know, and I'm going through life. I said, do you think the other women who buy your candles are going through the same thing? She was like, yeah. I said, what if you told stories each month about what motivated you to create this unique scent for this month. And you put a story to it that talks about the experience of an African-American woman going through X, Y, and Z. And that was a handwritten card that was printed with each monthly subscription. You think people will want to buy your candles then? Mm. Would it be about the candles or would it be about how they feel about the brand? Mm. And how many people can now repeat or copy that she started to really get it that brand is not about the functionality of your product. Mm -hmm. It is about yeah. the feeling that someone gets when they consume it or engage and build camaraderie and community. Mm -hmm. So it can take time, but you can yeah. build connection almost immediately once you understand what your brand is about. And then do a quick experiment. Yeah. Do an experiment. Like she's running an experiment. She's doing this new monthly thing. She's going to take all of her clients that are on her list, position a monthly count, a monthly new service, right? Get a subscription and then ask everybody, do you know any other African-American women who are going through this who would appreciate that? I said, yeah. you'll double your business in just a few weeks. Wow. So brand yeah. can take time, yeah. but once you hone in on it, it can grow pretty rapidly as well. Really rapidly. Wow. But, uh, you know, just like we talked about before, probably text the understanding of uh, a mentor or a coach or 
someone like yourself, X, to actually bring that in people by asking specific few questions, because all of this is already in the people. They have the story. Like, yeah. uh, like her, she has the story, but she didn't have a way of actually bringing it out until she came into contact with someone like you, who actually knows how to bring that out of people. Yeah. Is that fair yeah. to say? I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think having access to someone who can ask the right questions at the right times yeah. is, is monumentally helpful. But mm. I, I won't, I won't say it in a way that makes that the excuse or the barrier. Yeah. Because if you just do a Google search on how to build brand or, you know, 10 questions to ask when you're building your brand. For you, obviously, I think, you know, you've, you've talked about these two extremes of the big business and the brand and how everyone is being squashed in the, in the middle. And uh, for most people, actually, they are being squashed in the middle from the lack of awareness of specifically what you've shared, that, they, you know, they are in the between these, these two and once they probably realize that they can seek, you know, the, the brand and how they can actually uh, build that. But aside to that, I mean, what do you think in your experience as well are other like big challenges facing, you know, small businesses out there from actually making it, you know, to, yeah. you know. I think at the end of the day, it just comes back to those, those things like comp, We've reached a point where it's very hard to maintain competitive advantage based upon having the best product. Yeah. The moment you have the best product, literally something way better than what's out there, what's going to happen very quickly in the marketplace? People are going to copy. They're going to duplicate. They're going to remanufacture. They're going to create something that is similar. So maintaining competitive advantage based upon best product is not only hard to do, it's very expensive to stay ahead of the pack. Yeah. So I tell small businesses, stop trying to be the best. You, 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 you are putting a unnecessary bottleneck on your business by trying to be the best in terms of the actual value delivered, the functional value of what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Instead of best service or best product, let's focus on best story. Because yeah. humans don't buy based upon functions, facts and features. They buy based upon feeling. So you got to yeah. ask yourself the question, how do I create irreplaceable feelings that are connected to my products and services? Yeah. If you're not trading on feeling, then you're trading on function. Mm. And function, like I said, is very hard to maintain. It's very hard to, to stay ahead of the pack. And you can kid yourself and say, I'm better. But even if you are, let's just say you are, everyone says they're better. Yeah. So you still don't have anything to really stand on. Yeah. But once you start creating a brand feeling around these great products, your business will 10x just like that. So focus. I tell best story wins, not best product or services. Yeah. What is a story that you can communicate that will start to create an emotional connection to your customer base? And how do you communicate in that way with consistency? Mm. Day by day, we talked about that. And then also with some intense, you know, experiments around branding to really get your name out there. Um, mm. Because if you're not getting attention on you, your brand and your service, and you're not creating emotional connection, you're always in this very vulnerable place of being a commodity. Um, mm. And it's, 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 it's just not a place that you want to be. You can eke out mm. a living, 
But that next level of, of growth and expansion and scale and, 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 and impact, it's, it's going to be most likely through you building brand, emotional right. connection with your marketplace. If you could do that, you'll be all right. Wow. But uh, is, uh, is brand like um, niche though? Like, uh, you know, your brand will actually appeal with the feeling and emotion to just a specific niche of uh, a market or is it possible to create a brand that spans yeah. quite a number? I think, I think you can create a brand that spans and goes far and wide, but I wouldn't try to start there. Hmm. You need a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of bandwidth. You need a lot of things that the small average small business just doesn't have access to. Yeah. Plus, if we reverse engineer success, whether you're looking at Apple, Five Guys, McDonald's, it doesn't really matter. Uh, Microsoft, they yeah. all started with what? One thing. Yeah. No one starts with 10, 20, or 30 except a small business. I do this, I do this, I do this, I do that, I do this, mm -hmm. I do this and that. And by the way, I do this for that person and this person and that person. Nobody yeah. does that except a small business out yeah. of fear that I'm going to have to turn down money and opportunity. Yeah. But the irony is, is you're servicing so many different people in so many different ways that you are a watered down commodity. Yeah. Specialization in choosing what you do, niche or niche, however you want to present it, puts you in the very best position to succeed. Yeah. Because now I know who I'm for. I know exactly, specifically and precisely what I do. And I can be very dialed in with my story and my communication. Yeah. But trying to be a Chinese food restaurant that serves burgers and seafood, that ain't it. <laughs> Stop it. Like, 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 that's not the path to success. I understand yeah. that you, it's, it's very hard. I work with small businesses all the time. Hmm. And I tell them, do you, you need to chop off three fourths of your menu of offerings. Not yeah. only is it costing you in terms of overhead and just, Trying to trying to you know carry all of this weight is confusing to the marketplace. Yeah, and when you confuse, you lose. So so get dialed in. What are you really really great at? What is the one thing you offer that everyone goes? That is what I'm most happy with. Throw away all the other stuff. I know it's going to be hard at first. You're going to feel like you're giving up money or you're turning away opportunity. Mm. But trust me. This is the path to building brand and becoming this irreplaceable thing in someone's life because they know exactly who to go to to get this thing, this feeling, this connective piece. Stop mm -hmm. trying to be everything to everyone because when you do that, you're nothing to no one. Mm. Wow. Absolutely. Absolutely amazing. Now, uh, just um, before we wind down, just um, when we talk about brand, I guess – Maybe on this side, there's uh, probably a lot more to it, but uh, uh, combining your brand, working out what it, its value is and how you and, and what you can actually charge in the marketplace in order for you to generate business. What is that science? Because there is, I guess, a science to it as well, because you know, your brand is unique to you and you're competing with other people in the business. How do you work out this the sweet spot of where people will relate to your to the feeling and the emotion and probably pay what you believe is the brand is worth 
versus what everyone else is doing in the market and still have business and still be successful. Yeah. You know, for small businesses, I wouldn't try to complicate things. You charge what you can charge. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. you, you charge what you can charge, but don't be scared to ask for more and experiment with raising your prices. Yeah. No one knows what the market will bear until you get out into, into the world and actually ask. Nice. Don't yeah. be scared of hearing no. Don't be scared of rejection. Ask for more than what you think you can get mm -hmm. and see what happens and adjust from yeah. there. But yeah. one thing we do recognize when we talk about formulas is that when you do have brand and you do have this irreplaceable feeling and you're perceived as special, you mm -hmm. can charge a premium. So I have an iPhone here. This is a $1,200 mm -hmm. phone. Well, an Android phone probably costs $200. It can do the exact same thing. Hmm. But the brand, Apple, has created this irreplaceable feeling of being cool, of being savvy, of being, of being for rebels, all this other stuff that comes along with Steve Jobs and that brand and the iconic way in which it's unfolded into our lives. We choose to pay more for this. So, so. No, you, you can't go to Apple and say, well, the market is paying $200 for phones. Apple is saying, well, I have a brand. I'm mm -hmm. going to charge $1,200. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so there isn't a formula there other than to say, as a small business, I always, when we're coming in and working in, is, is I ask, okay, how do we make more money quickly? Let's raise prices 50%. Let's call your best customers and let's see if they bite. Let's add something that is seemed to be perceived value in our offering tweaking yeah. how we're communicating it and charge 50% more or 100% more. And let's see if it sticks. And if it doesn't, we reduce from there. Yeah. But beyond that, keep building brand and thought leadership around what your offering is. And you can charge more in the marketplace mm. for the same exact service. Yeah. Wow. Great. Now, let me ask you this, um, this whether it's a conundrum or a question. Uh, when we talk about uh, of value and placing a monetary amount to it. Is, um, can value be presented also in something that is monetary? I tell you why I'm asking this question is because uh, there is, you know, when we talk about presenting one story in order to, you know, for your product offering, um, I feel like for me, there is a, a story around how I came to be successful in terms of, uh, you know, I build like a proper business and all those kind of things. But in order to get there, there was an element of uh, five stuff, borrow money, you know, in order to pay for courses and all of that. I know there is people out there who have, the exact potential, even more potential than me, but the ability to actually pay for it, to actually get to realize that dream is not there. And I was looking to create a brand that actually somehow helps those people to achieve that, but in a way that the value that I get from it is the actual satisfaction of seeing someone and you know, realize or breakthrough into their success, the means of being able to pay for it, not being a limitation. And that is like, uh, what did you say? Like, the, the, is it the price or the contribution or the value that I, I see in myself? 
But at the same time, there is also the conflict of if they see the value of what they can actually achieve, they should actually be able to pay for it. How do you balance those two to say, you know, this is my story, this is my brand, because mm -hmm. I want to actually help a specific section to realize their potential, whether, you know, with, you know, not being able to afford or to pay should not be a limitation. And that is me, that is unique, because it resonates right. to my story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just, just thinking from a business perspective, there needs to be an exchange of value. Yeah. Um, no matter how noble the cause is, you got to have exchange of value. Okay. I go into nonprofits and I often ask the, the leadership, I say, well, who's your customers? Mm -hmm. Right. And they say, well, the people we help, you know, the, 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 the homeless we feed or the kids we serve. It's like they don't pay the bills. That's not your customers. Your customers are those who pay your bills. Your profits mm -hmm. are your the kids you serve or the homeless people you feed. Those are your profits. Know yeah. who your customer is and understand the exchange. And if there isn't a fair exchange of value, then you're going to go out of business. So it does you no good yeah. to underprice and not charge enough to make a profit. You have to be profitable. So from that perspective, yeah. I think no matter how noble the cost, you got to understand your numbers and what's required yeah. for you to continue to do the work. Once you have a do good under work. understanding, you don't need to have a perfect understanding of it. But once you understand your numbers, say, Alex, I need to make X, Y and Z to be able to impact these people. All right. But yeah. these people can't pay for it. So you got two choices, I, I see, or at least two obvious choices. One reduce your price and sell at scale. We talked about big business. So maybe yeah. you need to find a different way to deliver the product, technology, something that's going to allow you to scale delivery. Yeah. yeah. That may not be an option. Or two, figure out how someone else can pay for these people who can't afford it. Could they, are there grants? Are there opportunities? Are there benefactors? Can you crowdfund? It, it, the point being is that you can't allow the fact that, that you think you have value be the currency in which you trade on indefinitely. Yeah. Faith as a fuel can only take you so far. You need to have something actually coming in. So you got to know who your customer is and how yeah. they're going to pay for that value. And then what are your what what do you what are you going to exchange for it? And if mm. the marketplace can't bear it, then it's probably not a viable product. Or at least you don't know how to make it a viable product in the marketplace. Right. Yeah. What, what do you think of the concept of uh, like a, a delayed payment? Like I've, I've seen in some circles, and actually it's been quite successful actually, based on trust whereby people provide the service, which is quite valuable, but on the basis that the people who consume the service based on trust and they see the service, when eventually they get the results or be successful, they get to make the payment after consuming the service and uh, the person uh, uh, actually again we we talk about creating a unique brand or something that is specific to you and they've actually never had anyone actually not pay so i, th I thought that was quite an interesting one um what what do you think about that as a concept if it works <laughs> it works but the thing about the marketplace is that it doesn't lie <laughs> it doesn't yeah it doesn't yeah. lie like 
I've seen we've seen experiments with restaurants who have popped up and said, pay what you think is fair. And a greater it's majority fair. of them go out of business. Yeah. So so yeah. test it, you know, experiment with it. See if it works. Mm. But if ultimately, the marketplace seeks to trade value. And if yeah. what you're trading isn't of enough value to whoever you're surfacing, then you're not going to be viable for very long. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a cold world. It's very, it's very um, honest and transparent. Those who provide yeah. the most value or can to the most people are going to win and make the most money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's been proven time and time again, isn't it? That that's how the the market works everywhere. Isn't it? <laughs> There's just a great competition out there. But you know, your the way you put it about the brand and the big business absolutely you know brings a lot of clarity to a lot of big business people in terms of what they do. Now, uh, coming back to you now, as we wind off, um, what is uh, you know just your pitch now about your product offering? and how our listeners and our businesses can actually pick back on that, find you, and what you can offer them, offer to you. Yeah, just, um, I invite you to go to HassaniX.com, H-A-S-A-N-I-X.com. Um, that's mm -hmm. my personal website and brand, and you'll it'll be a launch pad to get to Lead Your Story and some of the other stuff that we're doing, um, mm -hmm. and my social media profiles, all that stuff. But if you really want to dive into story and how we teach it, um, and how we utilize it inside of our business, then go yeah. to launchmystory.com. And we have a free story course. It's called Best Story Wins. And there's six videos on storytelling for building brand and building mm -hmm. a unifying uh, culture. Um, we'll give you the exact blueprint we use with our clients who pay us tens of thousands of dollars, sometimes mm -hmm. even hundreds of thousands of dollars to help them with these things. I'm giving you the exact formula, our UBS um, unifying brand story formula and our worksheets. And you'll be able to actually take that, use it as a, as a cheat sheet for helping you to come up with your brand story, um, whether mm -hmm. you're trying to build brand or you're trying to build leadership and culture inside of your, your company. So you can get access to that for free at launchmystory.com. Launchmystory.com. That's, that's brilliant. Actually, um, wonder whether I can actually put it, um, up here. Uh, put it up on screen. So it's just um, launch. Yeah, launchmystory.com. Mystory.com, yeah. Okay. Is that the one, yeah? Yeah. Launchmystory.com, brilliant. Okay, that's that's great. Um, yeah, so X, just uh, one final question what's the story behind the x then <laughs> uh yeah you know i told you when i was sharing my story earlier i grew up in Oakland, california so pretty tough place like i said but back then when we were growing up you still had respect for your elders right so big mama on the block i was at her house my friend's house and she comes up to me you know she's old old black lady like she's walking to me and she's like hey boy What's your name? And I say, Hassani. She says, boy, no. What's your full name? I mm -hmm. say, Hassani Latif White. She goes, ah, okay. You said, your brother over there, what's his name? I say, Ramin. She said, boy, full name when you're talking to me. 
I said, Ramin Jamal White. And she says, that little one over there, that's your younger brother? I said, what's his name? Jabari Salim White. She pauses for a second, you know, scratches her chin, and she says, you know, y'all have some strong first and middle names. What's up with that white? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. Because, you know, my dad always told me there's strength in the name, right? I understood what Hassani meant. I understand what Latif meant. But I didn't know what a white meant. So I go home and ask my dad, where did white come from? And he was like, well, you know, whoever owned your great-great-grandfather, that was a name passed on when he was a slave to our family. Mm. And I was like nine or 10 at the time. And I couldn't reconcile that, that mm. that name was associated with being a slave. So when I was 12 and I read Malcolm X's biography, um, I decided that I would change my name first chance I get, got. And until I find a suitable family name. Uh, most people think it, it signifies being a Muslim, but the X is really, it's just saying, I don't know what my family last name is, but I'm going to take on X until I find one that's suitable. So, uh, but I branded that name. <laughs> we talked about brand. That name has been with yeah. me for 15 years. But yeah. um, my wife soon retires from the military in a couple of years, and we're going to do the whole DNA testing and and figure out where in Africa our ancestors come from and do a naming ceremony and officially change our family last name at that point. Yeah. So that's coming yeah. around the corner soon. Hmm. Wow. You know, talk about telling your story. You know, you're the absolute epitome of what do you talk about, about story and, you know, creating a unique brand by using your story and you do that to an absolute perfection. <laughs> so Thank you, I appreciate I, that. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. And, uh, you know, I think um, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners will resonate to your story and, you know, your brand and probably reach out to you with uh, how you can actually uh, help them as well. So, um, yeah, and uh, I, I imagine probably at some future point it would be great to actually, you know, uh, bring you back on the podcast to speak to us and share a little bit more of your wisdom as well in terms of helping business, in terms of brand building, as well as just, uh, you know, taking their businesses to the next level and generally about personal yeah. development for people as well. So, yeah, thank you very much for, you know, spending your time with us today. And uh, it's just been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Me too. I appreciate it, Alex. Yeah, so um, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up uh, very soon. Any last piece of advice or last uh, piece of wisdom or golden nuggets to share with our listeners? Man, I'll, I'll simply state it. We always have two choices. You can uh, lead your story or your story will lead you. Mm -hmm. And one, you're a character and the other, you're the author. You decide which mm -hmm. one you want to be. Mm -hmm. Perfect. It's a great point to end. So thank you very much, X. Absolute pleasure. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. you too. Take uh -huh. care. Cheers. Bye.